I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I'm Gavin Emmett. Welcome to the BT Sport MotoGP podcast. We're in South America for round two of the MotoGP World Championship at Termas de Rio Hondo in Argentina. And this week, I'm joined by Keith Ewan and Julian Ryder. Yeah, first things first, uh, fellas. We've got to look back, I suppose, at the first round in Qatar before we talk about Argentina. So Jorge Lorenzo uh, won the opening round. Do you reckon he will make it in two in a row here uh, this weekend? Or... Yeah, Ducati's chance of them to, to be better than Jorge. Is a lot going to be different here this weekend? Well, I mean, I think the big deal is is that in Qatar, there wasn't anything different than what we were expecting in the first place, which was the shock of the system. Everyone was talking about the new Michelins and new electronics, chucking in some new winners and some new podium people. But we got exactly, I think, what we were expecting, which was Jorge on the case. The biggest disappointment was for me was a potential race winner in Ione that uh, just tipped off. I think that Ducati mm. in his hands was a potential winner that weekend. Yep. No matter what you do to regulations, tests have shown time and time again, the fast boys are still the fast boys. Yeah, I mean, which was a little bit disappointing because we were expecting all the satellite people to come through. But what about coming to a new track then? Because they tested. They had three days of tests at Qatar just a couple of weeks beforehand. Well, factories are factories, aren't they? And I think that factories are always, I think, picking up on Julian's point just there, I mean, the fact is the fast boys are always going to be the fastest, but also the factories are always going to be in front because they've got so much more staff back in Japan and obviously at the track to sort out through electronics. Although Honda, I think Marquez, made the Honda look a lot better than it is at the moment. Um, look where Danny Pedrosa was. Yeah, he was yeah. quite. He was. I mean, he struggled, didn't he, over the weekend? But I just wonder, coming to this track where they haven't tested, Michelin had one day's test after the race here last yeah. year with very different tyres. Yeah, but very also, different situation. Also, the track was in poor condition, and Michele Pirro and Colin Edwards tested here, and uh, they had. You know, the track wasn't up to speed. So mm. at the end of the day, I think this this year we are we're in for a massive shock. Plus the fact the weather forecast uh, it's, it's 35 degrees on the Friday. It's forecast for thunderstorms on the Saturday and rain on the Sunday. So. Uh, Anyone for an intermediate, sir, for the first time? <laughs> wow, well, first see, time in a long time. He's having flashbacks. He's desperate to see an intermediate tyre again. <laughs> well, Take well, the soldering iron off him. So did they bring them just, just for show and, uh, and for, for some kind of... What did they bring them for, then? If you've got intermediate tyres, there's intermediate conditions. You're going to use Surely them. it's only for race conditions that you'd ever get the intermediates out, wouldn't it? Mi- no, uh, I, you see, I think, I think not. What about in qualifying? Oh, at the end of qualifying. Yeah. Uh, th- that's the point, Keith. Well... I t- asked a Michelin person this when we first saw the intermediate, the Bruno test last year, and he said he thinks the only time they will be used in anger will be qualifying. 
problem as well being, of course, it's a, it's a compound all of its own. I, I tried to press the Michelin guys as to where the compound was in the range of things. And he said, well, it's a completely unique one for the intermediate. I said, so where's that going to work then? And uh, really, I, I think what they've got is a 40-foot container that, that works its way around the world that they're hoping they don't have to undo the door on. <laughs> I think that's where the intermediate's going to stay, back in there, and it's going to go back to Clermont. Bridgestone never produced them for a reason. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, because they had a lot of overlap between the, 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 the wets and the, and the mm. dries in that situation. And also, why would you bother to go out on an intermediate with, on a drying track? Yeah. In, you know, really, the, 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 the tiny amount of usage that that might have that's, that's useful during the course of an 18-round series is so minimal. That's why I asked the question, Jules, why would you have a 40-foot container floating around the seas of the world t- turning up when you really, really don't? Is it PR? What's it there well, for? Well, that, that was one of the answers, wasn't it? That keeping the riders happy. Keep, keeping, uh, <laughs> keeping the punters happy. What, that, so that you got bikes on track? So you got bikes on track. Any conditions? Yeah, that yeah. makes some sense. That was some sort of sense in that, but there's a lot of money to spend. Just from the uh, press conference, uh, Davizioso, Andre Davizioso said, nobody really knows how it's going to be here and in Texas and in Jerez regarding the tyres. Mark Marquez said, normally last year and in the past, Bridgestone, people were choosing the same options on the tyres. That he said that is the key. Well, you got rears here that was you had for the ultra hard. First time Bridgestone ever brought an ultra hard to a racetrack was here mm. for the rear. And of course, you're talking about Texas when mm. we go there with the other way around this year, of course, compared with last year. The other way around, front tyre at Texas was the big problem for Bridgestone. And they had to eventually, that's what bring, brought in the three front tyre compound rule, if you remember. That's why Erta and the, and the, the FIM and, of course, the race direction brought in a, a third tyre in conjunction with Bridgestone to make sure they'd got that covered. Here, not enough testing. It could go any which way. So that's good, because we saw Jorge, Mr. Metronome, at the front again in Qatar. It might not be as simple as that. He hasn't had a great result here in the last couple of years, no. really. I was going to say, Keith made reference to the extra hard that Valentino raced on one with last year. That was the only event the thing was used at. It was unrideable anywhere else. Yeah, but look what he did with it. Look what he did with it. And the track, had uh, the grip was like the resurfaced Phillip Island. Massively grippy and aggressive. But is that dropping off rapidly over the couple of years? I hear what down? you're saying there. I think it's more likely the fact this track is dirty because it doesn't get used much. I think the problem here with, with Rio de Termas de Rio Hondo is the fact that you end up with a track you come to once a year for this kind of quality meeting and there's just not the kind of cleaned up track so he's going to get if we were having dry conditions throughout the three days Friday, Saturday, Sunday here I think that you know by the time we get to Sunday you might well be able to use the hard remember mm. Mark didn't he used the soft last and year and look what happened at the and end of the race well, I mean, he, it, he admitted that yeah, he made he a mistake made a mistake indeed <laughs> two mistakes yeah. wrong, <laughs> wrong tyre and riding into the back of the and choosing not to yeah, take second when it was an offer you mentioned Unoni at the top uh, and what about the Ducatis then here in Argentina? Because we, I mean, Dobby wasn't that far away uh, at the end of the race in Qatar. Yeah, he was probably being managed by... Yeah, but that's by the same as last year. Bit. I mean, that's almost boring So, So if Yononi was there, though, here in Argentina, a chance of a Ducati winning? Oh, that got deep breath and breath. No, no, for both there, of you, yeah. <laughs> Silence, <laughs> that's a rarity. Uh, and also, I'm thinking Texas, if... Let's can we go forward? Speed wise, Texas they are ten mile an hour quicker than anyone else at yeah. uh, in Qatar. So that thing is going to pull up that hill like a train. First year in Texas, Honda wins by a street. Second year we say, oh, Honda's going to win again, and they did, but by a few meters. Uh, maybe Ducati for Texas. Yeah, the the uh, long the long straight here comes off quite a fast corner, doesn't it? So maybe that it comes off a very fast corner. You're building speed all the way through that that right hander up onto towards turn five, which is a, uh, and there's a hill. It drags uphill all the way there. Mind you, don't you remember Ian only blew his Ducati <laughs> to smithereens at the end of that last year? Yeah. The motor went through the bottom of it, didn't it? Was that when Yoni Hernandez his bike blew up? Oh, was it Yoni's well? No, no, the first year Yoni blew up, I think. Yeah, and, and, and then Hernandez the second Hernandez year set up. fire to it. Uh, 
last year and we had a real proper fire down below job. So Ducati obviously go quite well, but it is a gradual hill as well, which you would think that that Ducati is, I mean, 10 mile an hour quicker yeah. uh, in Qatar. So that's going to be, they do, were doing 217 miles an hour in Qatar. So that equates to about 225 mile an hour in Mugello. And they're going to be pulling two... 212, 215 here, I'll bet as well. I mean, MotoGP bikes nowadays are just wonderfully scary quick. What about then uh, Marquez, who said third place last time was like a win for him and Honda, which is a really rare thing to hear him say. I so can't see any difference. It. Can you, Jules? No, he, I can't said, see difference. he said in a press conference at Qatar, straight after the race, he said, if I did a perfect race, I would have been second. So he. The, he wasn't desperately happy about uh, Dovi doing so it. So we don't see much change to, to here. I did actually speak to Danny Pedrosa just uh, a few minutes ago, and he was saying there was a bit of concern about what happened to Cal Crutchlow. Uh, Where it lost its way on the track. It, yeah, yeah, he thought it was the other way around, basically, on the track. He, well, said that, he said that could have happened to any of us. A Honda in disarray? No, I don't think they're as much in disarray. I think what they've got is they've got problems that they brought forward from last year with a new set of things that they've got to deal with this year. And I think they're, they're, they're deluged with extra technical work. I was saying earlier on in this, this interview with you, <laughs> wonderful, by the way, having you interview us. That's a first, isn't it? What a luxury. Interview by Gav. I like that. Gav Lars, our mate. <laughs> we used to be an interview by him. But we were talking about the, the fact that Honda, you know, They've got a lot of technicians, but all of those technicians, Jules, are overworked. Because we think of HRC as being this massive operation, and but it is not. It's a just, a, it, you know, out of the factory teams, it yeah. is. But they've still got a, a small amount of people working on this back and at HRC. doing motocross, doing trials. And Moto3 took a big lump out of their uh, available time for Moto Grand Prix a few years ago, remember? I haven't quite recovered from that, have That's they, in my view? That's how it looks, yeah. Keith. That's how it looks. Just after Qatar, what do we make of Suzuki's performance? Brilliant. Maverick put it on the front row, but Brilliant. in the race, was it what we were expecting? Or it was for me, you know. A little, bit more? I, I, a little bit more, of course, we wanted a little bit more, and I think so did Vinales. I mean, he rode, I think he was really disappointed. What did he end up sixth or something? Yeah, yeah but it, was, it all happened off the start, didn't it? To an extent, but the bike in a straight line, when we looked at all the, when I went through all the paperwork, first thing I said, look at this, Jules. And we'd got, they were right up the speed with the Honda and the Yamaha, same top speed. Yeah. Okay, it might not be delivering it as nice. That's a, that flatters the And might not be seat. getting there as. Uh... But the fact is, it was top speed was on, and they were 20 mile an hour off last year. So Suzuki have done a lot, and bearing in mind, they've not only got to have the make the horsepower in the winter, they've got that seamless gearbox that they're still working through as well, which I think Maverick actually is not really used to the downshift on that. So he went with just the seamless upshift in the end, didn't he? He didn't use the seamless downshift. Is that why we're not seeing what we might expect from Alicia Spargro? Because he, he's the donkey, or are we, or are we seeing exactly what we expect from Alicia Spargro? Really, I'm inclined to the Hewan you know, view of that. I, I wonder I, whether I, like, we, are we used to seeing him? I know we, uh, we haven't got the tyres, we haven't got the open class rules where he gets a softer tyre, but we've seen him put it on pole last year. That bike on, With on the, the soft, but the yeah. softer tyre. Does, does it make twelve positions difference though? I think or, Motor or, Grand Prix it can do. Eight, yeah. Depends how he can use it, and he could use it. I'll yeah. give him his due on I that mean, one. Brave he boy. Was able to, you know, he has bra he has bravery, and, yeah. and I mean that that kind of one hit, even for for the likes of me from 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 my era, to be able to stick in a, a, a time like that on a on a tire like that when you've been doing all your work towards race pace and the like, and suddenly you've got to got to squeeze the throttle so much earlier. Uh, you know, it's almost beyond comprehension that you're going to stick it in that arm but, uh, and ask for it. No one said Alish wasn't a brave boy. No, that's for sure. And, and of course, Texas Tornado, good old Colin, who will be joining us again this weekend. The, the fact of the matter is, is that that he explained a hell of a lot about Alish. I mean, the, yeah. the, the guy in a, a, you know, down an alley, you wouldn't want to meet him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what about any of the other satellite riders? We talked about the factories getting involved. We saw Barbara had a decent weekend. Scott Redding, you know. Key for, key for me, you know, is that the, the Cal Crutchlow-Bradley Smith thing 
Um, I, I love that dynamic between those two. Bradley the thinker. And yet two years ago, he came to Qatar, he chucked it on the road. He worked really hard, really, really hard. He's now gone to KTM. That deal's done. Now, will he find the motivation to go quick on a bike he knows he's leaving behind with a team he's leaving behind? Or will he do what Cal Crutchlow did when he dumped Ducati? Mm. I, th I expected Cal to just kind of have an easy season and roll over a bit. But Cal actually did what got Cal best does, out of him, got the he? best yeah. out of him. He went on to fight. And I wonder whether we're going to see the same, whether Bradley can motivate himself to do the best with that Tech 3 bike like Cal did with the Ducati. What do you I, reckon? I think he will do. I, I, I have faith in Bradley's professionalism. Do you know, you see, the problem is it interferes with your brain. You know, it's, it's just this is what's going to really test us about about Bradley. Is he going to is he going to be one of those guys that suddenly, when that pressure of having to do it, really having to push that last degree, is it going to be there now? I had a chance for a very long talk with Bradley at an airport yesterday. We had some time on our hands, and we got onto that subject. And Bradley was explaining to me how getting it signed, done, announced early has taken a whole load of stuff out of his brain and he can put the shutters up now and concentrate on what he's doing. Which is great. I hope he was... Uh... Do you know what? I've won championships halfway through the year and said to myself, right, that's it. I can, I can relax now and just go out and win races. I'm yeah. not going to think about strategy. Yeah. Still couldn't win them. <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you can say what you like yeah, to yourself. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's that extra little bit of motivation in a sportsman that is either there or it's not there. And he, it's just going to be interesting to see what it takes with Brad, what he's got left. He has the motivation to beat his teammates. Well, that ain't as hard now. It was in Qatar. <laughs> Paul, Paul actually just said about his contract for next year, it's a little bit too early to talk about that. But surely it isn't because we've seen Bradley sign already. We've seen Valentino Rossi sign for another couple of years. Um you know, we talk about pecking order of people wanting to get into factory teams. Paul's one of those. I wrote he that almost, quote down. Yeah, and I he, wrote al the quote he down. almost was putting himself on the market, but saying, I don't want to talk about it. Yes. But you almost have to talk about it. Can now. I give you that quote? Go Please on. do. He said, contract, question mark, open to do whatever, is what he said. That's putting himself on the market. Exactly. Really, isn't he it? said is, he needs yeah. to impress, but he's open to do whatever, which says, A, I haven't got a contract anywhere. B, there aren't any serious takers yet. And I wonder what World Superbike's like. Yeah. <laughs> Is that no. dramatic as that from no, a two world believe, champion? I can't believe it. Uh, I can see him with a Vintier or Aspar. Really? I can. It's already. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. It's a downgrade. But he has to, he, he has to keep, yeah, not plateau. It seems like he might have plateaued a little bit. Uh, what I, about next signatures on the on the dotted line? I mean, well, we're looking at Honda and Ducati, aren't we, to, to either hang on or retain someone? We're looking at Jorge, who... That was interesting, Jules your little bit this morning about how much money um, you'd heard he'd been offered, which wasn't as great as I no. was expecting to hear no. from Audi, because Audi there, now the owners of Ducati, of course. There, there, there's a rumour circulating, uh, the source was French, that they, Audi have fronted 11 million euro, which is what, 8, 9 million quid? Which ain't enough. Uh, Probably not that much more than he's getting well, at that, Yamaha that's anyway. exactly what we what said. said. That's yeah. got to be spot on with what he's getting. Uh, the Jorge the, the to Ducati chestnut comes up reliably every couple of years but this i have to say is the first time i've taken it seriously and i've actually thought it's a possibility even a probability do you know i think jorge has come of age he looks to me like a man that's completely in control of his emotions of his on-track stuff and of where he wants to go in the world and I, that's the first time for me this year injury involved got involved and i think that that really destabilized him a little bit i think jorge He's looking the sharpest he's ever looked on all fronts that it takes. So he may well 
decide, yeah, okay, I'm going to show what I can do on another manufacturer. But will he decide soon, or will he start wait for his value to go up even more he, by he winning more he, races? He might have already decided. He could yeah. well have done that. He refusing to talk about it at yeah, the moment, which is but classic. But he also dropped the hint that it will be that it wouldn't be a long-term process, that there will be a decision soon. Yeah, but the first he wanted the next couple of races to happen. What about the Honda and Yamaha seats then that we're talking about? It's, I suppose Honda is the big one. Marquez and, and Pedrosi, you'd expect Marquez won't be going anywhere? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Racing certainty that yeah, Marquez I, I is think going Mar nowhere. Marquez, and even Pedrosa. I mean, I think a lot depends on what's on the table for Pedrosa and whether his performance is. If he does another Qatar for a couple more rounds, I can see Pedrosa not getting a yeah. contract offer. The two riders who the teams will be looking at, obviously, are Maverick Vinales and Alex Rins, who are the obvious two. But Rins to step into a factory team, do you see I can he's done enough to, no, to warrant No, I, I think he, Yamaha would have him and put him in Tech 3 in the mm. Polisbargo seat with a factory contract. Mm. Lots, you want lots to, bet, to look forward to, though, isn't it? If you want to bet with Jonas Folger on the other bike. Yeah, yeah. Is, I mean, well, I mean, they were looking at him last year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Folger, right early on in the season, he was, he was on everyone's shopping yeah. list, and then he suddenly fell away, didn't he, with the AGR yeah. Moto2 team. He's back on the lists. Yeah, well, well, he's back on a decent bike and in yeah. a decent team, which showcases Folger correctly. And has he been? He's with the, the big American management company. Has he been with them for long? He's just uh, joined with uh, Wasserman Media Group. Ah, well, there's another Cal thing. He's got Smith, serious yeah. management in. This also tells you. I'll tell you what, Reese Edwards will be getting a proper job soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've had um, one round of the championship so far on, on the Michelin tyres. What do we make of it? Ryder seemed surprisingly I'll happy. I'll tell you what, I actually tweeted to Michelin Motorsport because I was... Look at the lead-in that Bridgestone Looking for had. a new set on your car? No, no. no. Actually, <laughs> funny enough, I've just been in touch with Carmine for a new set of Bridgestones. <laughs> it's funny you should say that. No, I haven't asked Michelin for anything yet. Uh, don't, got, don't be yet. Can you put a note in mind? I had a puncture on my car last week. If you just put a little I'll do it for side you, don't note. Worry. On, yeah. I'll manage the boys' tyres. <laughs> But the point being is Bridgestone had a long lead-in. They had their own 500cc team that they were running in as well. So they had a long lead-in when they brought tyres. Michelin had last year, and if you remember how many tests that went wrong last year for Michelin early on. Lots of rain. Massive amount of crashes, massive amount of bad weather, inclement weather. Their programme was delayed by months, really. And then they come to the first Grand Prix of the year. Not only are the tyres good... Everybody sticks with them, and nobody's got anything bad to say about them. And lots of different choices for the riders. Valentino and Mark were on a similar choice, which was different to Jorge, which was different again from the Ducatis, which means <laughs> that the riders are a bit at sea in terms of what's going to work well, best. Well, I think Michelin as well are a bit at sea on regards to that. Maybe they're thinking back to the days when the World uh, Grand Prix Championship was a European Championship, really, <laughs> and they could get a, a van from Clermont-Ferrand to any one of the tracks that we were racing at. Overnight on Saturday, yeah. And you, you'd you'd, see, special, it, you'd so. see it turn up in the morning, you know, and all of us... That were on Dunlops were going <laughs> no <laughs> Michelin had turned up with a new red hot tyre but the fact is it almost seems there's two each time the tyres have a, quite a lot of overlap in terms of what you can choose well that used to be a hallmark of Michelin mm. Michelin had a, yeah Michelin were always a fantastic tyre for that overlap that you, it used to work so well and uh, not as Focus, perhaps, as as the Bridgestones or in our day the Dunlops were I mean you know it's uh, it was it was quite an interesting Plus the fact, going back to our day, the 80s, wonderful time, you know, you could tell from the haircuts. Apart <laughs> uh, from the music and the haircuts. The and yeah. the moustaches. And the moustaches, yeah, apparently, of course, <laughs> into that Hulk Hogan lookalike that I've seemed to have been lumbered with on Twitter lately. But anyway, uh, <laughs> was the don't, fact you Don't saw let the children see that, it's scary. That you saw black lines everywhere. Where the two things that, that are doing that, obviously the Michelins leave a load of rubber down on the deck, but the electronics let them, mm. which I really enjoyed seeing that rubber everywhere at Qatar. 
Call me silly, but there you go. Let's not forget that at Qatar, the lap record, which stood when? for years to Casey Stoner, went two laps from home, and the race record was done by seven seconds. I rest my case. They had a fantastic Grand Prix. It was great. I think what more could you ask for from a new tyre supplier? There's not, not many times that you would be motivated to tweet a tyre company to say, well Quite. done. And, and I found myself doing that, which, yeah. which must have been an exceptional yeah. weekend. Let's talk about the Brits at the opening round then. Um, starting with Bradley Smith, who was the best finishing Brit, just missed out on, on beating his team. We've, we've mentioned it a little bit, maybe not dwell on him on too much, but was that a solid enough start? I think when you look at what Bradley had done during testing and the build-up to it, I think it was brilliant. Uh, he, had, he, had, he looked pretty much mid-pack mm. throughout the testing. He didn't look like he'd made the advances you want. But you see, Bradley is such a thinking mm. man. And, and I, I, would never, I would never trust my, my criticism of him mm. because basically the guy has got something up his sleeve. He's thinking about the next move. He's thinking about the next race. He's thinking about the next test. Whereas Paul is a guy that sticks it on the line from the from the get-go. Yeah. And yeah. quite often that that's not beneficial to Paul. If you watch him in the first couple of free practices, he looks like the bike's going to crash in him. He's ride, overriding the thing everywhere and it's wiggling and waggling. And you say to Hervé Poncherol, what's up with Paul? The bike doesn't seem to be working. Oh, I can't do the French accent, so I won't because it'll make you laugh. But, yeah. but it is quite the, the well, Gallic way of saying, well, that's just Paul. And he hasn't switched the Moto2 bit of his brain off yet and the Moto Grand Prix bit on. Um, and Scott Redding? Was that a disappointment? I think that was a little disappointment for yes. me, I must say, because unlike Brad, I think that, that Scott had, had performed in pre-season testing a fair bit and given us a great deal of hope. I'd heard that there was, a, in terms of the satellite Ducatis anyway, there was a bit of a turn down in terms of their uh, power delivery or how much the, the bike was performant on, on race day. Is that a possibility? Well, it's always one that interferes with your head if someone's yeah. done that to you. I mean, that's not what a rider wants. And once he once he thinks that, that you know, you're interfering with things that mm. he don't want you to, particularly the performance of the bike, when you can see the factory ones were going so quick. Yeah, because that's something that uh, we've seen before so come for qualifying. It's all there for them. And then, and then race day. The, uh, the for race day. Yeah. Uh, what about Cal Crutchlow? We, we touched on it brief, briefly about his bike not knowing where it was on track. Tell you what, uh, though. As a rider, how must that be, I first mean, of all? Well, it's a, it's a nightmare. I mean, it, it, from, from that particular point of view, because consistency is something you need at that level. That, that amount of commitment into every single corner and that every single acceleration point, you, know, you need to build on that continuity if you haven't got continuity all the way around the racetrack if it's not doing the same thing every time round you can't to start with you can't you can't adjust yourself for something it's not doing right which i think cow i don't think the bike was anywhere near right in the first place and all of a sudden it started throwing in a couple of curved balls at him and, and suddenly it wasn't doing on the same corner entries the things that it did the lap before yep. which which is is a complete nightmare from a riding point of view but cow did what cow does didn't he i mean a, he gritted his teeth and got himself where he got himself in qualifying, which I think was better than we were all expecting. Um, but the race, you know, yeah. is a nightmare. He you, felt... He felt chalk that one off. Yeah, he completely, completely. Glad completely. he didn't get himself hurt. Yeah. yeah, job pretty well done by the rider, but the bike failed. And remember what he did here last year. Yeah, put it on the podium in that last Yeah, but lap, that, that uh, last two corners. <laughs> you remember me saying, that was the best mugging I've seen. In, it was a mugging without violence. I it did was, love that. I, it was so good, I made it my moment of the year you did. last year. Because it, it, uh, it was a beautiful piece of racecraft. In Moto2, Danny Kemp was was our best finisher. We'll start with him. Uh, we'll talk about the jump start in a second. But, oh, but Danny Kent's sick. I think we have to. We have to. <laughs> oh, please. It's been a big bugbear of mine over the last week, uh, answering a few questions about it. But Danny Kent, top finisher of, uh, for the Brits, anyway, in, in sixth place. How do we rate that? Highly. 
<laughs> Gotta say, he's been he's been in Moto Two before, so he's not a rookie in Moto Two. But he was on a Tech Three Mistral, which which wasn't the bike to put it mildly. Um, so he knows what he's doing. He knows where he's going. He knows he, he knows what he's got to do. I think the interview that Hodgie did with him uh, over the over the Hareth, uh, uh, I thought, was a really mature outlook to where he's going with Moto Two. I thought well, he went about his job the best possible way. I mean, that early round in the dark, under the lights, on a track that's covered in sand. You can ruin your season. I think one thing that came back from speaking to the team was how they're just sticking to a plan. They're not. He, they're trying to keep his feet on the ground and say, we don't want you to be winning races, if you can, great, obviously. But just stick to our plan and we will get there eventually. Well, he's still with Kiefer. Which, yeah. I mean, and Kiefer running Bond the Moto2, well. of course. Kiefer aren't running the Moto3 team that he was in last year and they've gone to KTM. But, you know, Leopard colours maybe, but not Kiefer racing. So continuity Danny's got in his, in his corner. Sam Lowe's jump started, just Arr. only just, but also yeah, but another another yeah. seven riders did. They didn't spot two of them though. Can I rev up? How on does this? that happen? Can I, can I rev I'm up? I'm already on this immediately. <laughs> I mean, like we, we we need to really get on top of this because it was a massive cock up by race control. I mean, whatever way you look at it, to start with, they took two swifter action on the riders that they saw. Like Sam Lowe's, his his dashboard told him he's got a jump start by the time he got to turn one. Amazing. Which is completely wrong. I mean, they should have given it at least half of that. The point being is that the rule that has changed, that Julian quite rightly pointed out to me, which I wasn't aware of at the time, so one up the jewels on that one. I didn't believe you were reading it in bed, the rule book. Sad git. Anyway, Jules was bang on dead right that they had changed it. So if it's deemed that the rider got an advantage, it gets a penalty. If there was no advantage, then it wasn't going to get a penalty. To start with, that is so completely wrong. It is so wrong. Because when somebody just dumps a clutch, the natural reflex action of every human being on a motorcycle is to go as well. So the guy who actually started the jump start and should have got a penalty, the rest should not, in my view. If you're taking that rule literally. That's like athletics, where they do that. And yeah. they'll, yeah. Chuck, they'll chuck the, the false starter out of the, of the race. Exactly. That's a yeah. great example, Gav. That is, a, that is the perfect example. But then it comes to the fact that they didn't spot two of the massive biggest culprits in the whole lot out of the front three rows of the grid. Morbidelli and... and Cortese, was yeah, it? On the so so row. the excuse there was that the 500 frame per second cameras on that second row weren't working. No, that wasn't uh, right. That's, that, they're that's not, not enough eyeballs up there. I'll bet you money on it. And the, that's why I come back to what I said. They should not have taken knee-jerk reactions to the ones they did see. They should have reviewed all the footage and then made a consistent penalty within those first four laps the, within those first four within laps the, got which you've got it. to do it here. yeah well, that yeah. was it was the consistency wasn't it more than anything the fact that Morbidelli and Cortese well they got 20 seconds were clearly yeah uh, but we're being told afterwards well no we have to judge them all by the same the system wasn't working they got 20 seconds but they are looking at the rule that's what they're saying now yeah but, but the 20 yeah should be looking at it but it's retrospective and I hate that as well but 20 seconds was not enough that didn't that 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 gave them a, at least a 10 second advantage over the others that had, had a ride through yeah 26 seconds I worked it out for yeah, some that's, that he'd lost. That's, that's, right. without, that's without going through traffic that's and everything. That's exactly yeah. right. That's without yeah. Yeah. any traffic. Then you've got to add Yeah, but hang on. You've, also, you've got to come down off your pace. You've got to get back up to your pace. You know, the, you, those things are intangible almost. Mm. Yeah. Um, so Sam Lowe's, though, otherwise, not actually a fastest that, lap that of the race. Result. Exactly. On the last lap, yep. yeah. he's in good shape, isn't he? He's in very good shape. Good he's team. on a good bike. Good, good bike. Yeah. He's that's good shape. We don't need to say any more than that, really. About Moto3. Moto3 was obviously fairly uh, wild, as we come to expect. <laughs> it's going to be Best tough for John McPhee, though, isn't it? 
um, on, uh, on the Persia. He, well, he has got an aerodynamic upgrade uh, already. He's been made from that team. He's got a new fairing. That's yeah, hang on a minute. Him. He only weighs as much as your arm anyway. He's well, got an advantage already. Mahindra have already taken their option for the year by by yeah. changing the fairing. What sort but of yeah, decision do you make? What do you make about that, that was because it was made for Bang Nair at the end of the day. They they cheated during the weekend when they put a fairing on the bike they shouldn't have had because no one else had it. They've got last yeah. year's fairing on this year's bike and they've taken that as their upgrade. So that goes to show you that, that Mahindra are all at sea from my money uh, purely and simply because they haven't got any other upgrades in the pipeline. Otherwise, they wouldn't have bothered taking the fairing as one. Do you concur, Jules? Absolute sense. Um, Moto3, just finally on it. Great racing. You, can, you can't tell who's going to be quick throughout the year. But what about Bulega as a rookie? Obviously. Obviously. He was the man of the meet, wasn't Complete, he? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And impressed with Canet and, uh, and others. But Canet? Bul- Sorry, Canet. He has a, he's Catalan, isn't he? It's a T on the end. Gav is my professor on this. <laughs> so, yeah, and you've just been corrected by an Essex boy. <laughs> Take that. I'm leaving the room in shame. <laughs> there. But yeah, Bulega was astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. And I think Banyaya as well was another standout with his well, performance a, on a bike that no one else is Mahindra doing. Mahindra hero. I mean, yeah. can you imagine here? Mahindra wouldn't have been anywhere without Banyaya. He's not half bad on the brakes, is he, that no. kid? And the bike don't look that bad either. Well, that was always supposed to be the one strength of the Mahindra, corner entry. Mm. And, and, in, looked, and in the turn. Yeah, and he didn't, he didn't look out of shape, did he? But, boys, we all know that these first, what, three Grand Prix, really, you're not going to get anything consistent till we get to the European uh, war which starts in Jerez. Brilliant. Well, we'll look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Remember, you can watch all this weekend's action live on BT Sport 2 uh, with race day kicking off at 1.30pm with the warm-up. And after the racing is finished, download our review podcast on Monday for all the best analysis and reaction from here in Argentina. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.